0: From Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Field, bringing you stories and insights from today's most inspiring horsemen and women.
1: And this sport, once you're in there, is about self discipline. How much discipline can you hold for five minutes?
0: I'm sitting here with Chewie Chavez of Chavez Performance Horses. Chewy is a horseman, a reigning trainer, father, and a husband. So you have a beautiful wife named Abby, and a beautiful baby girl, Audrey and she's what she's coming up on a year old yep she's eight old, months eight months old and i just saw a video of her riding a horse this week and clucking to the horse so uh she's quickly being indoctrined to the lifestyle
1: yeah she hangs out a lot of the barns of i think she hears a lot of clucking and kissing them so she kind of catch up to that quick
0: yeah and chewy has a really interesting background he started working with horses in mexico where you're from and then you came up to the States, you worked with some stock horse trainers, green cow horse trainers, and then you worked under a horseman named Warwick Schiller. Yeah. I'm sure many people have heard of Warwick. Chewie has really been making waves here on the West Coast. He's been successful and his clients have been successful, I think. But more than that, the reason I wanted to bring you on here and introduce you to our audience is that your passion for the sport is evident to anybody who meets you and I think that's refreshing to a lot of people. You're you're very ambitious, but you you love your horses and you and you love what you do. If you guys want to learn more about Chewy, you can look him up on his Facebook page or go to his website. So ChavezPerformanceHorses.com or Chavez Performance Horses on Facebook. Did I miss anything?
1: Nope, nope. That's um uh, I was I was born and raised in Mexico, and uh, that's where where all the kind of passion for horses has started. Uh, all my family has been using horses for. I mean, for work since I was a kid, and um, when I came here and saw the Western disciplines, I just fell in love with it, and I wanted to learn from it. And from there, it was just kind of like a journey that I I've been following since I I came here in 2003.
0: What kind of work did you?
1: Yeah, my family, my my father and uh, and my grandfather. They uh, we had a lot of cattle, milk milk and meat cattle, and. Uh, we did cornfields and and agave for tequila. That's where the love comes from. And, uh, awesome. Uh, we raised the cattle since they were babies, um, breed them, uh, use some of the ones for meat and and the and the females for for milk, and just kind of use the, the horses to move the the cattle all around through our town and from 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 place to place.
0: From working with those ranch horses. I mean, there's, there's a story that you remember either as a kid or, or getting older that made you go like, wow, I really enjoy this part of it working with the horses.
1: Yes, you know, one time when I was a like very, very young age, I, I mean, I don't remember exactly, but the horses over there were so broken, so trusting that even if you were long distances away from home, they were so smart and so trusting to you, they would remember their ways back to their happy place, which it was home. And as a horse trainer here, I realized that as caught in that like in an arena trainer, like training horses, sometimes home causes a drift. It just became like a mind game for me to try to keep them happy in the arena without trying to go home. But there was this horse I got actually got lost moving some cattle with my uncle um Dionysio Santana. And I was riding a I was riding a I was actually riding a mule. And I don't know how far into the hills I was. And it brought me all the way up to the first water, like a pond of water, but it was probably three, five hours worth of like riding. And it took me from one place to the other. And I was a kid, I had no idea where I was.
0: So you're just sitting on this mule, and it's just taking you places. So it took you to water and then it took you home.
1: I was probably crying and praying and I don't know what else I was doing, but I was not, I did not know where I was. It was all on him.
0: How did that happen?
1: You know, I, I think I took a little trail to go and look for some cattle on one, one side of the hill and I'm sure my uncle told me where to go and I probably took, took the wrong turn and I ended up pretty lost in the middle of the hills and the, the trees and there was a lot of uh, cliffs and then I started taking too many turns and I was lost like for a lot for a long time and, and I just put my hand down, clucked to her and to him and it took me all the way back to where I was.
0: So you had to put all your trust into your your mule. Yep. Is that something that you you try to do do now with your horses?
1: Yes, I I think I um, I try to I try to put that in my horses like where I give them a place to be or I give them a responsibility and when they learn it really good and I know they're being honest, I just like to pitch them loose and, and let them drag me wherever wherever I've been telling them to do it and the reining it's a circle if they know where there's a line of travel, I just I just trust them. I try to yeah,
0: try to help them know what their job is. Mhm. Can you take us maybe a little bit further into your life?
1: Okay, well my my father was uh my father used to be here and back and I was raised by my mom and my grandfather. My father filed for all our paperwork and stuff to come here and they brought us here to get some education. I came here when I was 15 years old okay. in August of 2003.
0: So, was there a moment where you said, "Okay, I'm going to be a horse trainer."
1: You know, since I was a kid, I always liked it, and I, I had that as a as a goal. My grandfather was um, was a very good horse trainer in our in our town in our community. Um, his name is was Juan Santana, and uh, a lot of people knows knows of him. And I always looked up to him. His horses were very trusting, and I always wanted to be like him. the The training over there and the training here is that this is raining over there was ranch horses mm-hmm. horses that were trusting that you can rope a calf you can pull a log or you can carry some milk gallons on the side of the saddle and they were they were honest and they were broke so i guess i had a little bit of that in me like i wanted to i wanted to do that but then i wanted to study and um when i came here and went through high school i actually got a like a degree as a mechanic i just couldn't follow that i just started working for a couple of trainers and kept following my dream of being a horse trainer and here I am now.
0: Another type of mechanic.
1: Yeah, a little, yeah. Being cool
0: with the brain. So then you went off, you started working for trainers. It sounds like that was kind of a natural thing. Tell us how you connected with Warwick Schiller.
1: Warwick Schiller, actually, there was a, a cousin of mine. His name is Miguel Lomelli. He, uh, he started me with this. He I, I was still doing some ranch horses and um, just following like lyric horse training. And he started introducing me to a guy. He introduced me to a cow horse trainer. His name is Tommy Sangroth. I went and followed them. Uh, Billy Roan was part of the big community here in Salinas, and um, a friend of ours brought us to this horse trainer that was in Gilroy Gates, and I came to watch what he was doing, and seeing what he was doing with the horses then, I knew it was just different, and it was the horses looked uh, really, really cool, and I wanted to learn from them, so I actually talked to him and I asked him how much would he charge me to teach me what he was doing, and uh, I started working with him pretty soon after that.
0: When you watched Warwick work with his horses that day, was there something that you saw in particular that made you want to work with him?
1: He was working on a big horse, and he was so supple and so willingly guided, like a little horse. And I knew there was a lot of hap- like a lot of a lot of things happening there that I didn't know how he was doing them. And then he had a big way of teaching. The first day I went there, everything he was doing made sense to me. Like everything he was doing made made a lot of sense of how he was explaining it. So it was, uh, I think that's where I, I love teaching. That's where I get it from. Like, he, he's a great teacher. I just love learning from him because he was, he, he just, everything he says, it makes sense.
0: Can you take us to a specific example of when you were working with Warwick and something you learned, maybe you're working with a particular horse?
1: Yeah. Like, for example, if one of the first things he said, and is a big theory I think he follows, is he'll make the right thing easy and the wrong thing hard. And that's yes. Warwick's thing. Like, for example, a horse wanted to leave out the gate. As simple as that, because he wanted to go home. So he would make it super simple. He would let him walk out the gate. As soon as they step out, he would get to work and let him know home is not a good place to be. They're arena horses, so he wanted to change his mind. He went outside the gate, work them a little bit. As soon as they went back in the gate, he pitched them loose, and the horse started wanting to make a decision on his own. He left the gate, take a hold again, work them gently, just do whatever he needed to do outside, walk back in the gate, pitch them loose. And then I was sitting there and the horse, next time he walked towards that gate, he turned his head and went away back into the arena. And I'm like, oh, that's like, that was, that was pretty interesting to me. It it just started, started, started to see kind of how he made the horse actually change their mind and think of their own. And I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, and I mean, from there, all the program of his expands, but um, it, it made, it made a lot of sense to me what he said, making the right thing easy. And making the wrong thing hard and i, I just kind of followed that and, and then slowly modified to my own thing and it's been it's been fun
0: i mean how has that impacted your reigning program
1: i think it makes a big difference because i apply um all the horsemanship that i learned with warwick with my two-year-olds from the very beginning i think before being a reigning horse they need to get broke and trusting and uh, they learn how to learn there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we do at the beginning that would teach the horses to start making decisions on their own and from there I take that into the into the arena I mean something he said I, I don't remember who, who he told me he learned it from but he says in order to make a great horse you need to have one rider needs to be three things a great showman a great horseman and a good trainer you go so if you know where the horsemanship when or try to learn your horse and being a horseman when your horse is getting bored of being you being a trainer, you got to become a horseman when you're doing too many horsemanship stuff and you're getting stuck. You got to try to be a, a showman and see where things are where things are at and if you're falling behind or if, being, or if you're doing too much. And then if that is working right, then you need to become a trainer and uh, I mean, and everything being the same rider and hopefully like start finding up your. Tuning your horse to I don't know go to a paternity or if a horse is older go out and do derbies like and you gotta be able to transfer from a horseman to a trainer to a showman and that's something that he was good at he just knew how to separate all three of you. it's not always a trainer it's not always just be, uh, trying to practice show stuff and then it's not always being just a horsemanship stuff like and 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 again they're they're willing to learn more every every day and hopefully I mean and, and it depends on the horse's talent. Is um how much they're gonna give to you in the in the pen,
0: yeah, I think that's a really good call out because I think that's in separating the three out like that is a really good way to break it down, maybe for somebody like me who's a non pro and not a trainer and doesn't always get that breadth of experience and learning when your horse needs a certain piece of you,
1: yeah, definitely, and always having in mind. Well, you want to get out of it learn where you're going to start working like your horse has got to tell you where you start your day like if your horse is leaning towards one side of the arena i will go over there and start warming up in that side of the arena and that can fix my circles then i will go back to my showmanship skills just pitch them loose try to look up do our part as the rainers and um and see if the horse is doing his part and if not i have to again just go from one of those three back and forth and as long as he's He's with you, he's gonna let you be a great uh, showman. If the horse is requiring some of the other two, you're gonna struggle showing. And at the end of the day in this career, um, you gotta be able to run hard with your hand down, looking up and not thinking of everything that might fall apart in the middle of it.
0: Let's take that to a specific example, because this was actually happening to me recently. I took my horse to a show and I'm warming him up and kind of getting ready, I'm getting into my showman mindset and he's trying to go out that gate of the practice pin that i just came in let's say you're you're getting close to showing oh, what would you do what would be your priority in that standpoint should you switch to being a horseman and work on that leaving the gate issue or should you go no we need to work on our circles or whatever and go do that
1: you know being polite to the rest of the to the to the people because sometimes people is using their arenas I would try to go as close to that gate or out and work on that real quick. I mean, if you're and that is a tough one because if you're super close to do it, I mean, you can accept, you can walk up to the to the warm up bin right outside of your show bin mm-hmm. and start working them there and pitch them loose, and it'll give you something to learn. If you you just got to try it, and that's that's my big thing. I talk to my clients, I, I tell them like. I'm gonna try something, and if it doesn't work out, we're gonna to have to change it up. Like it's not a, it's not gonna be a magic, uh, a, like a magic answer. You might try it, and it didn't work. And the next time, you're gonna to have to try the next one. But I think if you walk out of that gate, and if that's really what you want to do, and you go and work them there, you can go. If if there is not cement or something, you can go out that gate and work in your spin there, or work on whatever you were trying to do then walk into that arena and pitch him loose and maybe slow down your If you were thinking you were going to show from one to five uh, uh, at a four, I would go in there and make it a good day at a three Mm -hmm. or a two and a half and just try to go in zero and plus a couple of things and keep them happy. And then next time around, then you can step it up and see if he takes a little, a little bit of that heat and then go for the four or go for a four and a half if he lets you. But he's got to be a, a happy horse going in that pen if not he's going to lie to you when you ask him to do what he wasn't trying to do out there
0: yeah so maybe if your horse is looking for an exit strategy they're not in the right mindset so take a step back be a horseman for a minute and then say what do i have today
1: <clears throat> definitely and keep in, i would say if you keep that in mind from the moment you warm up if you pitch him loose and you start doing your circles they start telling on us a little mm-hmm. they start telling if they're going to lean and I mean something super simple, like if if I'm not gonna walk out that gate, if I'm looping and I feel a little a little lean there, every time I go by that gate, I just kind of wave my legs and make them go forward, and then I let them leave them alone in the rest of the circle and just kind of start making them <clears throat> when they're having a thought. I I start just kind of working on them and say, change your mind. Like we're we're staying in this arena, and pretty soon they just they just melt in that circle and they want to go with it.
0: Yeah, all the way back to kind of what you were talking about helping the horse make their own decisions. So, speaking of kind of like all of those things that you do to get a horse ready and try to get them to think, can you take us to a story of of a time where you felt like you failed as a horseman?
1: My biggest mistake is the first time I got a horse that was so talented, and I wanted to do more, and he already was doing enough for me to win my levels. I would say, as a horseman, I, I I failed on that because I should have just read and be happy with what my horse had, and just leave him alone and doing what he was doing. But I wanted a little bit more, and that's and, and he taught me a lot from that. Um, I just try to make sure that my horses, if they are a zero horse, I show them a zero. If they're a plus half horse, natural talent, I leave them on a plus half. And if they have a natural one, then I try to then I try to move up to their level and do that. Because at that time, I think that horse had a lot more ability and 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 athletic ability than than I did showing. Taught me a lot. Just making sure that he was a little happier and not try to get more of a horse that already had enough for me to do what I needed to do in those in the in the show pen.
0: So you're pushing that horse maybe a little bit further than he was able to go at that point you're putting too much pressure on him when he was already trying
1: trying to go faster than what he was comfortable going um, and and I failed because for example, like a, a a good example, like in the circles, instead of running a plus half and slowing down a, to a good zero or a or a plus half of everything, like I try to go a plus one and slow down a plus one, and then ended up being a zero. And trying to same in the turn, instead of letting him just turn happily how he was, I try to go a little bit faster, and and that that just made the horse looks worse. Like it takes you from a plus situation to a minus situation because then the horse doesn't look natural, and I think that's something the judges look up to like the horse got to be happy and it's got to be it's got to be natural for him to be making those moves if it looks like artificial in a way like where where has been has been pushed a little too much the horse just doesn't look as happy and, and and it'll affect it'll affect your score
0: so tell us exactly what happened did you have an unfortunate showing situation did something fall apart and then you had to take a step back or what happened to that horse
1: I got him. I got him running too fast on the circles. At home, he was good, and I don't think I was pushing him. And what happens is, you go on the show, you go on the, the horse show, and you try to do too much. Then when I went to slow down, he said, "Uh uh-uh. uh," and then he just kept going a little faster. And it just it wasn't it wasn't a good experience for me or for him. And and it took him it took him at least one or two horse shows that I could have shown that I had to school him. Then I had to ask for for forgiveness because it was and you have to admit it was my mistake. I He was doing his job. I was asking him to do more. He wasn't comfortable with it. then he got, he got upset. He just thought every time you, every time I would ask him for more, I would just tell him, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. So pretty soon he thought he wasn't good enough and he, he tried to not take care of me. Then he, when I left him alone, let him be where he was at. I think he forgave me.
0: (laughs) So in one sentence, tell us what you took away
1: from that. You got to show the whores you have a home and if the horse is happy doing the thing at home and you know your horse is a, a zero to a plus half you got to show that at the show then
0: so right. then when you get to the show how do you personally as a human deal with the pressure or maybe the anxiety that comes with showing
1: i try to practice showing in my brain at home i learned this from a, a i brought jeff petzka he's a he's a horseman and a horse trainer good horse trainer from texas he came and gave us a clinic here he taught us. I don't know exactly what it's called, but like kind of visualizing how you show, and I would visualize how I show that certain horse and what that horse does bad and what I do bad when I when I'm I'm in there. So every time I'm riding one and I'm I'm working on him and I'm sitting on the fence or whatever. Like I think, what did I? What am I gonna do if I run up? There not I run up there. Like perfect case scenario and then worst case scenario. So I just try to pull all kinds of scenarios through my brain on each horse, and if. Something I try to do too is when I go in the show bin, I make an effort to breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth Mm -hmm. as I'm walking all the way into the middle of the arena because I probably forgot to breathe a few times. And the first times I went to show, I probably didn't breathe for five minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I mean, I think that's an interesting point. So you visualize what you're going to do with that horse in various scenarios. How much time do you spend doing that for, let's say, each horse?
1: I do that every time I practice a certain stop, like if I'm warming up a horse to stop a couple of times and it's time to just send him down, let's say if it's a run in pattern, mm-hmm. if I'm going to run in the middle, I'll practice that in my brain before I run in and then I'll run in as a in the warm up and I'll run in and see if I memorized it has got to be fair for the horse. I got to do more practice in my brain than I can do it on him because uh, you can leave your good show horse in the pen, in the warm up pen so i have to do a lot more of thinking in the in my brain than practicing it so anytime i get a, a anytime i remember it, i try to do that
0: yeah so i think for all the the rainers out there what we say and what i hear a lot is we have to memorize this pattern and we have to remember the pattern and we have to make sure we don't go off pattern. If we go off pattern. It's not worth it. But then we have all these other things to worry about. My horse leans here and they do this and they jump out of the spin and they take off in this rundown and all of those little details. How, what would you recommend for reiners or anybody else out there who has to do a pattern? How do you get all of that stuff straight in your brain?
1: You have to narrow it down to what is the best two or three things that your horse does. And just don't even think of that. And then just no picture it in your brain. Like you're gonna be looking at, for example, if there's a raining pattern, uh, be looking at where you're going. Have that line of travel that those judges are looking at. And in the perfect world, make sure that you're not getting on their way. And then on the bad, on the things that you know your horse might need a little bit, a little bit of help. Just don't pick two more than two things. Like I try to pick. Okay, if, if what is the worst two things that may happen in there? And, um, and I just focus on those two, the rest of them would, would just kind of fix themselves. But if, if, um, if you just focus on two things and not more than that, your brain stays fresh. If you start thinking of too many things that can go right and wrong, your brain over, I think for me, at least it, it just, it, it, it just starts going too fast. So I try to make sure that I don't think of the, like once everything is good and I feel I think everything is going to work out. I don't even think of that. And then, if I know there's more than two things that are not going to go right, let's say there's four things that I know my horse might need help with, I leave four. I leave two away, and I just think of two, and um, and the rest of it just, I mean, whatever happens, happens.
0: Can you tell us a, an example of a horse that you've shown and kind of their two things?
1: You know, I have a I have a horse. He's super talented, and um, and there is there is a couple of things that he was doing. For example, one in his in his slowdown, and and I think a lot of it a lot of it was gonna have to do with what I was gonna react like. And a couple of times that I didn't think about it, and I went to slow him down, I picked my hand up unconsciously. And when I saw the video, I mean, I I took a hold of him, and that that took it from a plus situation to a minus situation. And the next time I went to show that horse, I I really thought and focused and practiced when I slow down to just really think of releasing my hand down and give him a fresh mouth and give him an option to slow down. And if he didn't, how much I was going to pick up on my hand. And believe it or not, just a simple fact that using your hand six inches, it just is like when you're showing and the adrenaline is going, to me it was hard to control. Like I would catch myself and I did it a handful of times where I would catch myself picking up like 10 inches and picking up like eight inches mm-hmm. and not, or sometimes not putting my hand down. and. That horse, when when I controlled my hand and I controlled the way I was I was approaching that slowdown, it made a big difference for him. So, in, in this sport, once you're in there, is it's is about, about self discipline. Like, how much discipline do you really have over your legs, over the position I've been practicing on sitting in a certain horse, and and on your hand, and yeah. and on where you're looking at. So, it's just how much discipline can you hold for five minutes?
0: Right. Is it showing a horse is an entirely different thing than, than working with your horse. And so I think the nerves overcome a lot of us.
1: Yes, definitely. No, I think that's and, and, and knowing your horse. And then discipline yourself of how much you're going to do it and not overdo it.
0: How do you make sure that your mind is squared away?
1: I try to practice. And this I learned, for example, like Eric Laporte taught me this. Like I try to practice a lot. When I'm going to do my maneuvers to relax my hand down on them, I force myself to push my hand down. When I'm pushing on the stop, I force myself to push my hand down. When I'm working on the circle, I force myself to keep my hand as center as possible and just keep everything as I mean really keep everything as center as, to those withers as I can.
0: So back at home, are there habits that you try to instill in them?
1: You know, I try to I try to follow the program, especially closer to the horseshoes but I, I make sure that I practice at home how I'm gonna practice that week at the horse show. Like I'll exercise the first day, train the next two days, just refine the, the last day and go show.
0: So when you pull that horse out on a Monday, how do you check in with them to see where they're at?
1: I put my hand down on them and ask them to walk trot, see where, where they're at mentally. If they are have too much energy, we'll go from that. If they're bored to be in the arena, we'll fix that. And if, um, if they're willingly guided, they'll have a super simple day and just get them ready and warmed up for the next day.
0: Talking about kind of your program there and, and how you get horses ready, what would you say your trainer superpower is? What's your specialty?
1: I think I love uh, coaching. I love teaching. And that goes for horses and, uh, and people. Like, I really enjoy teaching a horse something new when they finally get those steps like it, it, it gives me a good feeling about it and the same goes for for clients i i just i just love teaching I've, I've done that through through my um since i was a youth i i taught little kids on martial arts and i just love to see their first new thing they know how to do and same uh same with horses especially young horses i love riding young horses uh.
0: for the humans that you coach what's something consistent that you feel like you're you're telling your students
1: I tell them to do as I say and all as I do to yeah. make sure to to make sure that they um, they simplify more. Like we break it into months when we don't have a show season, we're we're off show season. I try to teach them how to train a little bit. When we're into show season, I try to make sure that they do the least amount of training. And I keep reminding them to keep their hand in the middle, keep their horses straight, making sure that they are that we are out of the horse's way and if the horse is doing their part. And so many things can go wrong. If you stay out of their way and you stay with your horse center and between you, it just makes your life a little bit easier. It's important to know the horse and the client and I try to make sure that most of, like all of my clients, I think they have the, the ability to correct them themselves. If, but if I feel that that's going to, mess with someone's uh, thinking ability when you're in the show pen. i try to make sure that i get on the horse since i'm not going to show at that moment i get on the horse i help them a little bit and they can go back and practice you know what they're about to do in in a couple of minutes and and like i said it, it all depends if that's going to affect it if i was going to affect the rider if, if that's going to make them if that's going to make them feel better i'll get on them if that's going to make them feel worse they'll fix it it all depends on the horse and the person
0: is there something you see consistently with your non-pros that, is there something that they do or something that you tell them to do to get particularly ready for that?
1: Yes, uh, and I actually learned this from Warwick. He used to do this. Um, when you're getting your horse ready to show, especially right before it, when they're, bra- when they're brushing their manes or brushing their tails or cleaning them up, taking the sweat off them or whatever, I have them do it really slow really really slow and I, and that helps them slow their brain down mm-hmm. when they're walking into the warm-up pen I walk them really slow when they're getting on or putting their chaps on do it really slow and I think once you go in there I mean whatever happens but if you start doing things in a rush your your heart rate will go up and your brain will start trying to catch up to that and then you think too fast people start getting more nervous so I'm um, And that's what I try to do. Anything we do once we're ready to go show, they have to do it really slow. And they're starting to speak fast, or or starting to speed up. I go, slow down. Mm -hmm. And what was that again? And I try to speak slowly to them too. So it gives them, they just have to slow down a little bit. And if they want to choke me, then I go, okay, now I need to go (laughs) a little bit (laughs) Then I know we're going way too fast.
0: How much would you say that impacts how the horse behaves?
1: A lot. I would say when you're when you get fast, the horse gets a little confused. so if, if we try to stay slow on them and make those make those decisions slowly with your hand or with your legs or the stuff, it, it really helps the horse.
0: What's the best advice you've ever been given as a horseman?
1: So I would say one of the best ones. And like I said, a, a lot of my friends have given me a lot of advice. So it's hard to pick. It's really hard to pick from all of them. And, um, and I love them all. And I hope everybody keeps teaching me. But uh, the horseman that came here, great showman too, Jeff Petska, he put it this way. He said, just think of it like this. You being the boss, the horse's mouth being the foreman, and you having four guys working for you. Okay, because everybody punishes the boss, the, the four men. Okay. Because, and most of the times when something is not working, is one of those four guys on the ground. I mean, it just made a lot of sense to me. Um, a lot of people always goes to the mouth to get their feet to work. And a lot of the times it's just the feet that need to do a job. I mean, the, we're paying, the judges are paying us to perform very efficiently. For example, a, left, a, a circle. And if one of those guys is not doing their job, is bowing a shoulder out, that it could be as simple as that right guy in front, not not trying to catch up to the left guy or slowing down that left guy a little bit. It just made a lot of sense for everything I do. He just says, just don't kill the foreman. He says, just don't go to the foreman all the time. Um, he just, he just, I mean, it was something that he, that he said, and it just kind of stuck to me.
0: That's a really great one. I've never heard that one before. That's a really, really good one, I think. Do you have any personal habits that you feel like make you a better trainer?
1: Something that I try to follow and it will make my horses happy. Like I try to be super fair. Like I don't want to, I am not like giving my horses candy every day and I'm not beating up my horses. I want to make sure that they know their job 100% way. And I try to be very, very consistent. Like I try to be very consistent on my, on what I don't like them to do. I try Mm -hmm. to make sure that they know that's not the right thing to do. They, 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 And they know when they're doing the right thing, they've been left alone and they're hopefully happily doing it. I would say that is something that, that I try to follow, just being very consistent at when to tell them what they're doing right and where to tell them where they're doing wrong, like most of the time. Yeah,
0: not change them up, change not, it up on them all the time. No. So we're almost out of time. But let's maybe do a few quick fires here and you can answer really fast and then and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. So do you have any superstition when you go to show or
1: Yeah, I do. I I don't let anybody put my polo wraps. I, I don't care how busy I am, I'll make sure I polo wrap my own horse.
0: What do you look for in a great horse?
1: I think a great horse for this discipline that I'm doing now is their confirmation. I, I love a horse that has a pretty pretty symmetrical conformation a good trapezoid from from their neck all the way down to their to their to their back And I mean anybody that has done reining the loomis trapezoid for example that's something I learned when I was a kid and I followed that and and I've done I've kind of gone against it on horses and that they're just cool and it doesn't work out and every horse that is put together, and a good mindset. But any horse that is put together right will do his job. And, and it's not hard for them. They're they're built to do it.
0: Guys, gals, if you don't know what he's talking about, maybe, maybe look it up on Google or if you see Chewy at a show, come up and ask him to show you. One of the first times that I met Chewy... I was hanging out at the barn and he pulled the horse out and he was showing a bunch of people this trapezoid and he took a lead rope and he, and he measured it and he showed everybody. And it was the, it was honestly, I've been in this industry for a long time. It was the first time that I'd ever seen anybody do it or expl- explained it in that way, or really honestly even heard of it. It's like, I can look at a horse and say that horse has good confirmation, but I wouldn't be able to talk about the trapezoid and measure it out in the way that he did. So maybe, maybe pull him aside and have, you, have him show you. It's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. What's a tool or an approach that is working for you and your horses right now?
1: Simple. Just the simpler I can make the horses be.
0: Any any other parting words you want to leave our audience with?
1: Like and whenever you go to learn from someone, you gotta be fast to listen and slow to talk. That's that's something that I learned from Tommy. Tommy Songroth said it in uh, in Miguel Lamelli again. He they told me whenever you want to get better and you want to go to another barn and learn something, you got to be fast to listen and slow to talk.
0: Really good advice. What are a couple big shows where we're going to see you this year?
1: So this year we're going to go um, to Cactus Raining Classic in Arizona, and then we're going to NRBC. That should be a fun one. Um, then we have a couple of good fraternity horses for the wild card. And from there we'll go to Raining uh, to. to the Derby, and then Randy by the Bay, and hopefully the fraternity. After. Oh, high roller. And then uh, there's a big horse show they put up in, in Arizona, Best of the West. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we'll go to the fraternity.
0: Busy year. This Bus- will come out definitely before the Derby and before Raining by the Bay. So, so keep an eye out. Thanks, Joey.
1: Yeah, thank you.